This is Father Kevin Hale with a homily for the third Sunday of Easter, the 18th of April. Over the last year, we've learnt a lot of new expressions. One of them is the roadmap out of this pandemic. Now, those of us old enough to remember what a roadmap is like, in other words, life before satnav, will perhaps remember how journeys could often be quite tetchy. Um, I would admit there have been occasions in the past when, depending on the skills of a co-pilot, we've often taken wrong turns. And as I hate being late for anything, I've preferred to turn back rather than face the ignominy of arriving late somewhere. Now, it may not be the universally accepted wisdom of our times, but a great deal of so-called progress has brought us no further forward to the goal of our lives. C.S. Lewis put it like this once, we all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. That is what those two disciples had done who were going to Emmaus. Now, these lovely accounts of different resurrection appearances are read to us over the course of these weeks now. And those two disciples have been going to Emmaus, which we think may have been a Roman garrison. Whatever it was, it was in the opposite direction to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the centre of sacrifice. So they'd been going in the wrong direction. They were fleeing. They were moving to a rival centre of power. And we're meant to identify with these disciples because we all tend to walk in the wrong way, away from self-sacrificing love. They were seeking security in Emmaus, not in Jerusalem. And whether it be for us the power of a position or wealth or whatever it is that makes us feel falsely secure, we are walking towards Emmaus and away from Jerusalem, the centre and the place of a life of sacrifice. So Jesus had come along and turned them back. We don't have a God who waits for us, but he comes looking for us and walking with us. The whole of the Bible is about this quest. It's God seeking us out. Even when we're walking in the wrong way, he comes and meets us and walks with us. Now, you might wonder, as I have often done, why the disciples didn't recognise Jesus in any of those appearances following his resurrection. Well, they're walking, they're thinking the wrong way. And the way we think and the way we speak has a lot to do with the way we recognise what's going on. If you're walking the wrong way, you're not going to understand. If you're thinking the wrong way, you're not going to understand. So Jesus, often with a faux innocence, asks them what they're doing, what they're talking about. And then he has to explain everything to them again. He stays with them, eats with them, comforts them. Often those simple gestures of the breaking of bread with them helps them to see him in that familiar act. And when he's explained everything to them and makes sure that they've got it clearly in their heads, then he can have breakfast with them. But he wants them to remain in Jerusalem, in that place where he had made that act of self-sacrificing love on Calvary. That same sacrifice, first done in Jerusalem, is at the very centre of what we do here, the very centre 
of all true faith and of true religion. And the centre and the origin of our Christian joy and optimism is that weekly encounter with the risen Jesus, the weekly, the weekly offering of the Eucharistic sacrifice. It is how the disciples define themselves after the resurrection in the act of the Eucharist. And it is also our definitive meeting with him. Because without this meeting, we cannot be what we are or be what we've been made for or what gives life its deepest meaning. The mood of the disciples after the resurrection is often our mood too. They're fearful. They're lacking joy and optimism. They're weighed down by their anxieties. Have we not felt like that over these days and months ourselves? Do we not often come to Mass like them, so conscious of what is filling our lives that we don't hear? Or we become so used to hearing that we don't absorb it, so used to the mystery that we aren't moved by it? The Gospels always say that they were dumbfounded when Jesus appeared to them, and that they could not believe their eyes because their joy was so great. Is what St. John Paul II says should be our sense of Eucharistic amazement, that we are present here and we can see our debt being written off like a rich relative or a friend who comes along and writes out the cheque that's the solution to all our financial problems, we look on awestruck. And the redemption is just that. Christ has paid the price. He's risen off the debt of the sins of mankind. And each week that redemption is replayed for us as the Mass unfolds that event. Jesus with us, speaking to us, opening the scriptures for us. And we look on, not passively, because he says finally, you are witnesses to this. And remember, a witness is the person who tells the truth about what they have seen, regardless of the price of that witnessing. The two disciples on their return to Jerusalem would have found Mary also there with the others. They would have been gathered round her for strength. We also keep close to her, that we may witness to the truth of what we too have seen and heard. Let us pray. May your people exult forever, O God, in renewed youthfulness of spirit, so that rejoicing now in the restored glory of our adoption, we may look forward in confident hope to rejoicing in the day of the resurrection. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.